This episode is sponsored by Rulin Group. There are four gifts I've received over the years that really stood out, and the common link between all of them is each one was sourced through the Ruling Group. If you want to deliver amazing gifts that capture people's attention, go to GiversEdge.com to learn more. Welcome to the Grow My Revenue Business Cast with Ian Altman unconventional strategies for selling, innovation, and leadership. Ian interviews some of the brightest minds who share proven methods to help you achieve success and grow revenue with integrity. Every episode concludes with a quick recap of actionable steps you can take to deliver tangible, immediate results for your business. Now, here's your host, Ian Altman. So I'm joined today by my good friend, Mark Modica. Now, Mark's a guy who is not an investment banker, but has helped companies raise in excess of three quarters of a billion dollars. And I don't mean the guys who have raised a quarter of a billion dollars three times for big, highly visible companies. I mean, Mark has helped companies raise money starting at a million dollars, $5 million, $25 million. And so he's done a lot of deals and has an approach for explosive creative valuations for businesses that need capital for growth. And so I know there's a lot that we can learn from Mark in this. I'm going to ask him about the biggest mistakes that people make when they're trying to secure funding, the biggest gaps that he sees with people looking at valuations, and then kind of the investor perspectives that you understand what investors are looking for so you can tie your approach to what's going to matter to them. So without further ado, here's Mark Monica. So Mark, welcome to the program. Hey, Ian. Thanks for having me. So what else should people know about you? What is it that you do in terms of helping businesses and companies? I think that uh, I'm one of those guys that believes in the theory like uh, Tiger Woods or anything else that you have to have so many hours. So I have my 10,000 hours or 100,000 hours in startups. So And yet you see patterns over time. And I see over since the early 90s, since you and I began doing a lot of this, I see patterns where people um, believe in in information that is being perpetuated throughout industries that is actually wrong. It's contrary to the data. It's contrary. So I take an analytical approach in, in one aspect to, to understand the data and feed people this data. And then I use sort of um, like 80% science. So I understand that the science of what we do is actually correct. And then there's 20% art where you have to add in sort of intuition and forecasting and where the market's going to be and things like that and get and, and, and actually connect with entrepreneurs and their passion and what they think is going to happen in the future. And so those two things have been very helpful in me helping people achieve higher valuations, raise more money, um, and become successful long-term in their, in, their, in their businesses. Yeah, I know one of the things that I learned from you years ago, and just so everybody knows, Mark, w- Mark had a company called Cyber CFO back in the dot-com era, and in my prior business, Mark's firm was our outsourced CFO. And one of the things I learned from Mark was this notion that not all revenue is created equally. And so we were crushing it in terms of a consulting business, and Mark said, well, that's not going to help you in valuations on exit. Um, You need to be looking at things differently than just this project-based revenue. So let's talk for a minute about when people are looking at the value of their business and how not all revenue is created equally. What do you mean by that? So... um you know the the most important thing that you can look at um, is not just a 
a growth of revenue or the amount of revenue that you have. Um, it's 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 things like um, uh, who are your customer base. Um, what are you actually doing for your customer, sort of the long tail or the intangibles of that, of your product or service, right? And, and so longer term, um, somebody's going to look at you and say, wow, I really want that as part of a portfolio of things I'm doing. I can add that to, I can add those customers, those markets, and those things to, to my portfolio, which adds higher value. So give me an example of what you mean by that so that people can really really boil down and, and apply it to their business. So give me an example of a type of business that might just be, you know, kind of flying by the seat of their pants and then how narrowing down to a specific type of problem or type of customer can improve their their value. Yeah. So for example, I was CFO of a company called Pivot3. Um, and we were in the um, surveillance market. And so our strategy was to go win customers. And so the first couple of customers were casino customers. And so that had a certain value. Going into a market has a certain value. So we got a couple of million dollars of revenue in then. But if we kept doing more revenue in the casino market, we would have been seen as the guys, the product in a casino market, and we would have been valued by that market. So instead of doing that, we cut across. So we did transportation, we did airports. And so instead of trying to grow faster revenue, which we could have by focusing and going deep, we went wide. And by going wide and by having more markets and by, and, and by showing that we could win in multiple markets, we showed the depth and breadth of our product offering, which creates a lot of value. And we also showed that we actually were valued by those markets. So we had bigger markets to go after, big, uh, uh, you know, increased product offerings into those markets. And so you're not limited to a specific market. And the perfect example of that is government contractors, right? So you could have a hundred, I could show you a hundred million dollar government contractor that's worth a hundred million. And I can show you a $1 million company in Silicon Valley that's worth $350 million. Yeah. Well, and and so the, and so think about that example you gave with Pivot Three, where instead of just expanding into that casino market and doing more and more casinos and saying, "Oh, look, yeah, not only did we do two million, now we did twenty million casinos." Instead, you said, "Now let me show you how the same thing can work in." transportation. Let me show you how this can also work in other security applications, in healthcare, in different verticals. So how did that exercise impact valuation? And then I'm going to want to get to this whole discussion about the mistakes that companies make when they're looking at valuation raising capital. Yeah, so sure. So um, it it affects the multiple on revenue. And so growth companies have a multiple of revenue um, that you're going to get. And that multiple increases based upon the fact that it, it, it expands the number of people that can buy you. It expands the, the actual potential of revenue that you can get long term. So you're looking at bigger, larger markets. And then like geographically, since we were in airports and casinos, when you, we expanded into Asia, right? So, so all of a sudden you expand ge- geographically, you can expand across markets. And even that wasn't enough for some of the VCs. So we went from a, a valuation, I got a valuation there that was post- and this is another trick that we did. I got a valuation that was post eight, 70 to $80 million on less than a million in revenue. Because. So wait, I want, I want people to hear that again. So on less than a million dollars in revenue, you got a valuation in excess of $80 million. Yeah, it was about $80 million. Yeah. About $80 million. Okay. So, 
so right now people there's people driving their car just like swipe the car next to them because of that because they're thinking man I got a three million dollar company I'm looking to raise a million dollars and I'm thinking I have to give away a third of the company so what's the biggest mistake that you see entrepreneurs make when they're looking for funding forget about valuation even for a minute what's the, what are the biggest mistakes you see entrepreneurs make when they're looking for funding for their companies well the biggest the absolute biggest mistake is they let the market decide what they're worth and they let people who really don't know the values of things outside of revenue other intangibles markets your 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 potential market your future market how big is the market going to grow these kinds of things they let that determine their valuation right so if you look at any company and you have one factor and that's revenue or one factor number of customers you're going to or, or 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 how fast you can get to profitability which is which is the worst way to look at any high growth company because they never get to profitability and once you get to profitability you actually value you value goes down as a component of revenue. So 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 most people are told the more revenue you have early on, the higher valuation you get. You got to get more customers. That's a lie. Um, then they're saying you got to get to profitability faster, and that's a lie. Um, and then they'll say um, you have to stay focused and stick within a certain vertical, and that's another lie. So um, and and of course you want to be focused, but you want to have your focus around those things that are going to create the most value for you. And again, what we talked about, you and I have talked about this before, is actually profitability is the lowest form of valuation. If you're being valued on your profitability, that's the worst valuation you're going to get. So what do you mean by that? Because I know right now, right now you got people, you got people who are like, slam on the brakes, are running around, running around their car in circles. Because they don't quite understand what you mean. Like, man, I've been busting my hump trying to make sure my business is profitable. Now this guy Mark's saying that it doesn't matter if I'm profitable. What do you mean by that? So if the big mistakes you said is first is letting the market decide. Second is letting people dictate kind of one factor in, in measuring your business. The third is the idea of, oh, you should just get more customers or more profit or just stay in one lane in a vertical and not go elsewhere. If those are the big mistakes... What should people be doing and how else should they be looking at their valuation? Well, again, there's three, like we said, in a, in a, in, and think of it as from a brand perspective, right? So early on, you're trying to create a brand. Um, when you grow and you're having fast growth, you're actually growing a brand. And when you're super profitable, you're a big company, you actually are leveraging that brand, right? And it's harder to grow the bigger you are, which is why Apple was kind of broke the barriers because it was literally growing super fast and it was profitable at the same time and it had a huge brand, right? So that that's why they're the number one market value company in the world, right? And they actually recently got devalued by analysts because they stopped growing. Like they, they weren't growing as fast, which is insane, which is why you should buy Apple right away because, because they're Growth had slowed down, but it was slowed down on this monster growth that it had before. So, so from a perspective of early on, when you're looking at your company and you're looking at your vision, you have to be able to value those things that are more intangibles, like what's, your mar- what's the market you're going into worth? Are people valuing that? Are you a greenfield company and you're creating a new market like Uber or Airbnb? Are you actually creating something new, which is really hard, and it's really hard to do. So you have to tell, you have to be good at telling stories about what's going to happen in those, and valuing that from a from a numeric perspective, which actually I've done, I've gotten pretty good at. I've got an expertise in valuing things that aren't on the outskirts valuable. Like you can't, 
Like there's no there's no formula for that, which I actually have a formula for, as you know. <laughs> so so now and, and by and by the way, I'm gonna I'm gonna get back to this idea of the formula, but the idea is that what you're what you're getting to is that it's about building a brand, and for a lot of companies, they don't necessarily think about that. So it's a matter of, I mean, like nowadays, everybody says, oh, we're the Uber of fill-in-the-blank. So it's like, you know, there's a guy who is installing blinds, and he says, I'm the Uber of blind installation. It's like, well, not really. <laughs> not but, really, you know, right. <laughs> I, think, I think you're just a blind installer. <laughs> right, <laughs> so absolutely. It's not, not that exciting. And that's okay. You'd be the best blind installer and make as much profit as you can, right? Exactly. right? Which is but fine. But, right. but in, the, in these, in these high-growth verticals, it's about establishing a brand so people say, wow, this is, the, this is the, potentially the best company at solving this problem. And if you can show me that you can do that in multiple markets, then an investor says, you know what? If we pour gasoline on this fire, then all of a sudden, these guys just, for example, in, in the prior example you were, you were talking about, so let's see, these guys have done a couple million dollars in casinos, and they've done a couple million dollars in airports, and right. a couple million dollars in, um, in healthcare environments in terms of surveillance. Right. Man, you know what? If we put a sales organization behind this thing and all of our smart people behind it, we could probably grow each one of those verticals into a half a billion dollar business. Right. And then- all of a sudden, once people are bought into that vision and they realize you can replicate it, they think to themselves, yeah, but these guys aren't even as smart as we are. If we if we helped them, wow, they'd be even more successful. We get to play into people's egos a little bit. Yeah, and they even tried to make the leap beyond that, which is um, the story continues for them, which is trying to go not only in the surveillance market, but they have other other markets like um, um, VDI and other things that are in the infrastructure business, right? So if you can do – if the holy grail is if you can do pretty much other product offerings in in adjacent markets, like – because it was all about hyper-converged storage and servers and things like that, which is now hot. We kind of we created the first versions of that. Now it's super hot, right? We're a little early on that. So it, it, it's and, – and it's about like the visions of the original founders were like, okay, we're going we're gonna to create this thing that can have um, um, a scalability across not only verticals within surveillance, but actually outside of surveillance too. Yep. And then there's high evaluations for that, right? Cool. So let, let me let me step back a little bit. So let's say you got an entrepreneur and they they realize, man, you know what? We really need some capital in order to grow. Think about it at the most basic level. What are the big mistakes that people make when they're going out to raise capital? Well, so there's a couple. Um, a lot of times they will be told that they're asking for too much money. And so they, because because of the valuations, so classic classic early stages, you can only raise 750 or a million or $2 million because you're only worth 2 to $3 million. You know, and you don't want to give too much of the company away. Well, that's, the, that's a horrible way to think about it. If you can actually go and convince somebody that your story is really big, they, in fact, will want to give you more money. And because of the nature of the equation, that actually has to that will actually push the valuation up because no VC really wants to take sixty or seventy percent of your company because there's not enough left for the people in the company. So by the nature of telling a better story or actually asking for more money or showing that you're actually more valuable long term, they'll actually want to give you more money and it'll actually increase your valuation. Yeah. So so it's funny. So 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 one of the first mistakes is um, thinking that you're asking for too much. And the reality is asking for too little. 
And then what about what about timing? Because I know that sometimes what I've seen is companies that will come to me and say, hey, can you help us out? We're trying to raise capital because um, we're having trouble making payroll in <laughs> right, two weeks. Right, 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 right. Yeah, I'm running a company right now that is in that spot, right? So, you know, we – a classic mistake, I just and I've just made it. Um, the classic mistake is you underfund and you raise um, too little capital – and you spend it on the things that you think you're going to create the value for, um, and then you you go out and get the customers, and then you turn back to the market, and the market says, yeah, that's only half of what you needed to do, right? And I kind of knew that, and we were trying to use customers to help customers were help fund it, and that's that's a tough dependency, and it was in a and it was in a difficult geography. So so one of the big things the the big things that I see is you raise. You, you underfund yourself, and then you spend those things on things that don't help you create your brand, right? And so you you literally um, get a couple of customers, you know. So you, let's say you raise a million dollars at three million dollar valuation. So now you've given twenty five percent of the company away. You do a lot on the product side, or you get a couple of customers, and then you go back to the markets, and the markets say, "Yeah, you're not growing fast enough, and you're not." big enough and so you're still worth four million dollars and you can't raise more money to really do the things you needed to do. So you spent the money on the things you think create valuation, but they really don't. Yeah. So you're thinking, I need to get more revenue, I need to get I need to get to profitability. And the reality is the market says, now part of that, I'm guessing, has to do with painting the picture as to not only what what funding you need today but what funding you need going forward. So talk about that because I know it's something we've discussed before, which is that problem that when people are raising capital, they often say, yeah, I'm raising a half million dollars today, but they don't talk about what they're going to need next. Right, and that's a classic mistake. So you get that. That's like one of the biggest mistakes. So um, if you if you really need 20 to $30 million or $50 million, because you're going after like a huge market, right? You're going, you're going to be trying the next Lyft or the next Uber or the next, you know, Airbnb. And those are huge markets, right? If you try, if you're going after those markets, you're going to fall short because you're not on a pathway to raise that money. So you haven't gotten the right investors. First of all, with deep pockets, you haven't spent the money wisely in terms of, um, uh, in terms of, doing those things that will attract those investors, right? And 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 so you need to know how much money you're going to raise, and that puts you into certain classes, right? If I'm going to raise 50 to $100 million over time, then that puts me in a class of investors that are professional venture capitalists, not angels and things like that. And that puts you in another class of maybe even private equity at, at the end. So those guys have come in, and that's a, that's a brand new way. So you have to actually know that you have to have somebody that's gone through that pathway and understands those pathways yep. and can help you plan that out. And the worst thing is planning for success and then planning for failure. So it's the binary thing. Yep. One of the things, and I like the idea of planning for success, planning for failure, and knowing the different investor levels. One of the great misconceptions is when I hear when I hear an entrepreneur say, "Well, you know what? So we're we're going to raise capital, and we really need like three million dollars, but that's going to be too hard. So I think we're just going to raise a half million dollars because they think." that it's going to be easier to raise a half million dollars than it is to raise $3 million. So you've raised a ton of money over time. What can people learn from your experience in this? Yeah, so um, it, it takes the same level of effort to do either. Um, I actually had a, 
one of my first bosses was a secretary treasurer of the Marriott, and he said it was easier for him to get $10 million than it, than it was to get a mortgage on his house, right? Like, like literally, he said, like, it's like the effort on more money is the same as the effort on small money. Now, the caveat to that is in, this, in these markets around, because of the hype that's going on right now, because of the Twitter hype and all of the Facebook stuff, 250 and 500 from friends and family, you know, is is that there's a pretty big market of that or 100,000 like that. But then again, you don't have deep, you, you've not, you've not actually taken another step. You've just delayed the inevitable of actually having to go raise the really, mo- the real money that you really need. Yep. Right. So, so that actually is the worst case scenario because now you've given away a piece of the company to people that can't support you and can't be there for you. And now the people that are coming in are going, wait, I don't want to be partners with those people because they can't help me. And so it literally, it literally, there's, there's hundreds of companies in New York and around that I call zombies. They raised a half million to a million and they're never going to raise any more money. They're dead. They're dead before the, the minute they get the money, they're, 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 they're out of business. Yeah. Unless they get lucky and something magical happens, right? They get a magical bean and the thing <laughs> takes off and things like that. So that's, 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 you know, that's really, you know, I mean, that's, that's the reality of it. So unless right? there's a guy named Jack with a beanstalk, right? they're in trouble. You haven't met Jack, they're, they're but, you know. So, so what, you know, obviously, you've got angel investors. You've got, you know, so you've got friends and family, you've got angel investors, you've got venture capital firms, and you've got investment bankers. So, when should people be looking at which type of investor for their business? Again, you have to go back and do like what we talked about in terms of you really have to go through an exercise of what am I worth today? What's my idea worth? You can actually value an idea, you can value an intangible, you can value the expertise. Um, of a of the team, right? The team has expertise. Like I look for people that have domain expertise in in, in a security vertical or analytics or healthcare or you know the the people come out of that industry. Like they know they have, and you can value that, and then you can value the idea that they're going after, and then you can value long term if they're successful. What will the market do? How will it change? How will how can they affect the markets? So you have to be able to do that, and then you have to look at it from a perspective of okay, how much money do I need to build a product? How much do I need to go into that markets? If I'm really successful, how much do I need to what the VCs call scale, right? And, that, and that's the overall value proposition. You know, the first time I heard value proposition was my fraternity brother, who's wildly successful uh, in venture capital and actually was one of the first investors in Twitter, uh, partner at Spark Capital, a guy named Todd Dager, says in 1997, I called him pitching a deal and he said, well, what's your value prop? And I'm like, what do you mean? What do you mean what's the value prop? And that's the whole idea of like, how are you going to create value? How much money is it going to take to create value? What is that value? And how do I get that? And how do I get out of that? How do I, how do I exit? Like, what's the, what's the way to, what, what are you going to do long term? How are you going to sell it? And how are you going to, how you can do that? Right? Yeah, yeah. One of the, one of the things that I obviously always tell people is you need to be, be able to articulate two things very clearly. One is what problem do you solve for people? And second is why do they need it? Right. And then if once you've established those two, then you can talk about what the likely outcome or result is from, from those stakeholders. So if it's the customer, what problem are you solving, solving for the customer? Why do they need to solve that? And what's their likely return? Similarly for the investor, what problem do you solve for them? Well, they're not able to access this market. They don't have a good investment in that space right now. And so you give them a way to actually do that. And if they don't get into that, then someone else is going to t- capture that market and they won't and they hate that. 
Well, I think that you articulated exactly what a venture capitalist wants to hear. Like, first of all, you're not going to get past them if you can't tell the story. So 70 percent of it's the story. What's the story long term? What do you what problem are you solving for customers? What are you, what what are you going to create? Like like Uber, Uber and Airbnb, they have like the sharing economy, right? You're creating new stuff, right? Um, for Uber, the guy who got invested in it, he gave this huge valuation to these guys because you know they they helped him get to the airport faster. But he realized that was a bigger problem than that, right? Sure. Right. So there was a much bigger problem. And they articulated the big data problem around, like, how am I collecting data? There's a big data and all this sharing economy stuff. Sure. Right. So from that perspective, so 70% of the pitch to a investor is the story you have to tell. 20% of it is the business model, like how you're going to make money, really, or how you're going to create value for your for the customers, and then ten percent, sort of the financial part of it, which is how much money do you need, right? Yeah. So the story is how big is this thing? How big is the? How big are the markets? How big is the opportunity? And and why are you uniquely positioned to get there? Exactly. Because I mean, I remember I remember back in the late nineties. Everybody that had a piece of software that ran on Windows would say, well, and there's so many copies of Windows out there, so all we need to do is penetrate 3% of that market, and we'll be worth a billion dollars. And the joke was, okay, great, but right now, as, you know, right now, you've penetrated three of the market. You, your spouse, and your mother, that doesn't really count, so you need to actually like, demonstrate that you can actually penetrate that market to make it plausible. Well, the unicorns, like 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 the unicorns, the billion dollar valuations have big capital behind them. They have big ideas. They have big penetration, and they've created the thing we talked about before. They created a brand. Like yeah. you, when you think of when you want to get a instead of getting a taxi, now you get an Uber. Yeah. When you go on vacation, you talk about Airbnb. It's like Kleenex, right? So even in smaller markets, you can be a brand to a certain niche and create a lot of value for yourself. You can invest some money. Get to five or ten million in revenue and sell for a hundred to one hundred fifty million bucks. Like that's possible, right? You don't have to go. You don't have to be a big unicorn. But if you're going down that pathway and that idea is big, you know that you have to tell a big story. You have to know: can you execute on that story? What's the business model around that story? And can you do you have the financial backing to get that? Right, right. So from from that perspective, um, going back to your original thing about from the uh, same side selling is. If you can, once they get the VCs get past that, oh, this is go back to my original thing. Once you get past that story and they buy off on that, once you get past the business model, like that makes sense. I'm going indirect. It's a SaaS, whatever, whatever, whatever I happen, however I'm going to actually deliver my service or product to the customer. And once you get the money behind it, then they go to the question that you answer that you answer every day is, okay, give me why the customer wants to buy it, why they're going to value it now, why they're going to value it long-term, and why they're going to keep buying it. And give, and tell me why that customer is like other customers in other vertical markets. And is, can we replicate that? So is the same customer that's in the pharma going to buy it in this? And, and so, and when they buy it, is there other stuff you can add onto it? Does yeah. it have a long tail to it? Does it have, you know, it, will you be able to do other stuff like, you know, like Uber, will you be able to deliver, you know, bunnies, you know, to to people? Like, you know, so it's 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 does the platform itself, does the thing itself have sort of will it will it last a long time? Well, can it can it go long term? And if it can, it's okay too because if it gets to a certain point, you have to know that and sell it when you've hit your the hot the, the place you want to sell any company is that's the highest hype value and the lowest revenue. <laughs> because because then you have you have a brand that somebody wants and you've t- you've put the least amount of effort into it and you've sold it for the most. Yeah. So it's it's it, it sort of follows what they call the hype cycle. Right? That's cool. So 
if, if you had one piece of advice that people should take to heart when they're either looking to raise capital or come up with a valuation for their business, what's the what's the first thing that people should do so they don't fall into these pitfalls? Uh, figure out uh, value your vision. So valuing vision is important. Okay. Like you have a vision of what you want to be long term, three to five years right now. You have to value that. You have to value your ability to do that. You have to value what it's going to look like in three to five years. And again, how much money and things like that. So valuing those things are the most important. And if you keep to that value of the vision, you will always fund that vision and you will always stick to that vision. You won't back off on it. And you also have a story that you believe in that you can tell. Exactly. Because a lot of times you and I have talked to entrepreneurs who you say, well, how big can this thing get? Where do you think it's going? And they, and they, kind of give a gleeful answer and go, man, I have no idea. It could be huge. And it's like, dude, you just killed your own valuation right, because you, it. you you don't believe in what it could be and you don't really know. How do you expect someone to invest their money if you don't even know? Right. And most people like that listen to this that have a more like um, financial background, MBAs like that, they'll, they'll, they'll say I'm wrong. They'll crap all over me. And then I'll say, okay, so then give me the valuation on WhatsApp, which was $19 billion. Yeah. Right. And probably had a hundred million dollars in revenue or 50 million or 20 or whatever it was. Tell me about that. Yeah. So how, how do you do that? And they'll say, oh, Mark Zuckerberg's crazy. No, he's not crazy. No, because he had metrics and things that he needed. He knew he wanted a billion, a billion customers out of Latin America. Sure. And, 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 and keep in mind, you're someone who is your background. You started in when, when there was big six accounting, big eight accounting as a CPA, right. master's in finance. I mean, you're a guy who obviously this isn't just you're winging it. You've been doing this for a long time. You've raised um, you've raised the better part of a billion dollars on behalf of companies. So you understand how this works, which brings me to the last, last thing, which is I'm sure there are going to be people listening to this who've got questions for you. What's the best way for them to reach you? Yeah, so um, uh, msmodica at gmail.com, my email, um, because I'm looking, you know, Ian and I have been friends a long time. I'm looking to help people with this problem, right? Um, and th- I think that's the best way to get specific answers from me about sort of what I'm talking about and sort of my approach and to email me and tell me I'm, you know, either completely crazy or how to actually justify the things I'm saying, you know, because it is a little bit of a contrarian approach. Yeah. All right, cool. Mark, thanks for being here. Ian, love it. Mark shares so much great information. Let me give you a quick 30-second recap of the key piece of information I think you can use to apply to your business. First, when you're raising capital, the big mistake most people make is they think they're asking too much and what actually happens is you end up asking for too little. Mark noted that it takes the same amount of effort to raise big dollars as it does to raise small dollars. Make sure that you create and own your story about the value of your business that you believe in, because you can never ask for a dime more than you think it's worth. And finally, profit may not be the key to the valuation and capital that you're looking for. Instead, make sure that people understand that story and the big picture. Remember, this show gets its direction from you, the listener. If there's a topic you want me to cover, if there's a guest you want me to have on the show, just send me a note personally at ian.altman at growmyrevenue.com. In fact, drop me a note and let me know the single greatest challenge facing your business when it comes to revenue growth, and I'll see what I can do to address that topic on the air. Have an amazing week, add value, and grow revenue in a way everybody can embrace even your customer. 
Thank you for joining us each week for the Grow My Revenue Business Cast with Ian Altman. Unconventional strategies for selling, innovation, and leadership. Be sure to subscribe to our program on iTunes or Stitcher. Don't miss Ian's weekly newsletter and be a part of the conversation on growmyrevenue.com and via Twitter at GrowMyRevenue.